What's up, BBN? Welcome back to the Kentucky Connection Pod. It's been about a week since our last episode. News has been super duper slow, so there hasn't really been much to talk about. But now we've got, I mean, the last couple days have just been crazy in terms of, you know, all this stuff coming out. It kind of made up for the last, you know, week or so of, of being dead. But how you doing, Laren? You've been, you been doing good this past week? Been doing good. Been itching to get another episode out. Yeah, man, me too. I'm glad we've got a, a wide array, array of topics today. So we're going to start off talking about the football team. A lot of news coming out. Most of it not great news, but, uh, you know, stuff that needs to be touched on. And then we're going to get into some basketball stuff. But our first topic of the day is Alabama transfer wide receiver Javon Baker decommits from Kentucky uh, in quotations there. Um, and the situation around that is super duper weird. We had Javon Baker, who was a former borderline five-star recruit, top 50 recruit who went to Alabama, you know, he played sparingly for Bama and then decided to transfer to Kentucky where he instantly would have been wide receiver two right off the bat next to Tavion Robinson. And, um, you know, what exactly happened with that situation? Um, so what I've heard is that uh, compliance issues played a role, but, um, it was like more of a risk versus reward. I mean, he was used sparingly at Bama, and I'm he would like you said he would have been a number two right behind Tavion Robinson here. But um, the article I read said that Dane Key's spring performance is what like made the coaches want to stick with him over Javon Baker. That's what I heard. That's what I read. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's just interesting because I think. The news came out that Javon had decommitted, and then Javon posted on social media that he wo- he said he woke up and saw all this news, and he was like, I'm not decommitted. Like, well, I don't know where this news is coming from. And then, like, a few minutes later, he posted, okay, never mind. I just found out that Kentucky decommitted for me. So, basically, like, it's like we pulled his scholarship. We were like, never mind. We don't want you, which for an Alabama transfer who has all the intangibles to be a great receiver, and we – have no proven players other than Tavion Robinson at that position. To go from having just one target, well, I mean, two if you count Ali from last year, but like everyone knew the ball was going to Wondell. This year, we could have had Robinson, Baker, Key, Magwood, Lewis. I'm forgetting a bunch. Yeah. But we just pulled a Bama transfer scholarship, which could have, like, obviously, we see what happens with LSU. We get Joseph and then uh, Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. So, like, the connection with Bama could have been big there, but, I mean, we just pulled a scholarship. Right. We talked about that on one of our other episodes about how the landing these transfers can create a pipeline of sorts because if you land one Alabama transfer and he ends up being successful, he'll tell his buddies at Alabama, hey, Kentucky's the place to come, and then, you know, that becomes a destination for those guys. So I do think it's a weird situation. You know, it, it, I don't think – I know that they're confident in Dane Key – but he is a true freshman, and I think, you know, you still want to bring in Baker to be the, you know, he starts right off the bat as the number two receiver, and then if Key ends up being better, then he can take that spot. I mean, in my opinion, you would have had Robinson and Baker at the, like, one and two wide receiver spots. The three could have been up for debate, but then, I mean, you got Barry and Brown, Jordan Anthony, Crowdis, um, Lewis, Rashawn? Rashawn Lewis. Rashawn yeah. Lewis. Like I said, I'm forgetting a few. But, uh, like, our wide receiver room is stacked. And while I may understand, like, they don't want to take the risk, I think it's a risk that doesn't have much 
of a loss there. Yeah, there's not really a downside to bringing in a former top 50 recruit Alabama transfer who got to learn under Nick Saban for a couple years. And, I mean, that receiver room is always so loaded at Alabama. Like, there's a reason he didn't play much, but he still saw the field. Like, there's some guys who aren't even good enough to see the field over there. But he saw the field at Bama with all those NFL-caliber receivers. So, it's just weird, but, um, you know, that kind of moves into the the next topic about how these young wide receivers, you know, they're going to have to step up. That wide receiver room has a ton of talent, but it's so unproven. We've got the Virginia Tech transfer, Tavion Robinson, who's basically the only proven starting caliber receiver in our room. We saw Dane Key have a solid, uh, you know, showing in the spring game. But again, he's a true freshman. You know, there's still some physical issues probably there where he still has to get used to the physicality of playing in this league. Um, but, you know, you look at some of the other guys in this receiver room, you've got, uh, well, we lost Ernest Sanders and Cleveland Thomas to the transfer portal, but Chauncey Magwood played a little bit last year as a freshman. He'll definitely be back, you know, playing a good bit as a solid option. Of course, we talked about Dane Key, 6'3", 190 pounds, former four-star ESPN 300 recruit. He's probably going to be the best of this young group. And then Dekel Crowdis, who was another four-star recruit from last year's class, ESPN 300 recruit. He's the one I'm most excited about. I think he's going to be electric, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds, um, and he was just elite in high school. But he was going to contribute as a true freshman last year, but he got injured for this season. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I followed um, Crowdis's recruitment, and at times I felt like he wasn't coming to Kentucky. But um, when he committed, I was ecstatic. I mean, I watched his Frederick Douglass highlights, and then I watched his IMG highlights. That dude can get north and south, which is what we need. But then you mentioned Dane Key. I mean, he kind of pushed out Baker to the coaching staff. He pushed out Baker. So if he did that, a former top 50 recruit, I feel like Key can step in right away. Um, I mean, outside of that, Sanders, we lost. But Lewis, I watched the spring game. He had a good outing in the spring game. Chris Lewis or Rashawn Lewis? Uh, Rashawn Lewis. Okay. I mean, Chris Lewis – it was – was he the one that picked us – no, Brown, picked us over Bama. Yeah, Barryon Brown is the incoming freshman who's not on campus yet. He's the another borderline five-star who picked us over Bama, and I didn't even mention him because he's not on the roster yet. But, uh, you know, I think since he's not going to get to participate in the spring stuff, you know, it's going to be a little harder for him to contribute immediately. But he was – like, he's one of the fastest kids in the country. I think he set state records in his state for, for you know, the 100 meter and stuff like that at track. I think he won the state championship in track this year. So he's, you know, he's quick and very, he reminds me a lot of maybe like a faster version of Lynn Bowden in terms of just a strong, agile receiver who's also just ridiculously fast. So Barry on Brown's another guy, but it just, it's odd that like we have so much talent, but it's so unproven and we have to kind of just hope that a few guys step up and play consistently. And that's why I think it would have been nice to have a guy like Javon Baker in that room kind of as a contingency plan if these freshmen aren't ready. Yeah, um, one person I want to look at is Tay-Tay Crooms. Um, He actually, he was the wide receiver that pushed my team. My senior year was, I mean, we weren't good at my high school. He was the wide receiver that put us out of the playoffs. Like, it was just go route after go route, post route, just pass after pass straight to Crooms. He's had every chance to transfer, and he's still here. So I think Stoops sees something in him that maybe others don't see. Yeah, I well, and I've been waiting for him to break out because I remember I think it was either his freshman or sophomore year on campus. 
um, they said that he was he ran the fastest forty time on the team, which you know we had some quick guys on that on the team at the time. So uh, I definitely hope you know a guy like him. He's a junior now. Uh, like you said, he's had every opportunity to leave. So either he's just content to just chill and get his diploma and he's not too stressed about it, or, you know, he does have a place in this in this um, roster because he he's blazing fast. But I feel like he's one of those guys where maybe that's his only trait at, at, for a while. Like and he's had to kind of develop the route running in the hands and stuff like that. But um, I would love to see Crooms get involved. And then Demarcus Harris, it says actually says here that he's a junior. I thought he was going to be a senior next year, but he is the – Demarcus Harris is easily the most proven guy and the most experienced guy in this room other than Tavion Robinson. Like, he's he's played for Kentucky. He's played sparingly over the last two years. You know, he, he caught, I think, one or two touchdowns last season. Um, and he's just a solid guy with decent hands. He can run routes. He's not the most electric player in the world, but – Demarcus Harris is just kind of like the the older leader in that room who who can contribute. I think we'll see him play a lot this year too. Yeah, Demarcus Harris, he was starting to come on there towards the end of the season. You mentioned a bunch of the unexperienced wide receivers. Ones I want to look at, or I mean, talk about. If we had like a lineup for just speed, we could have Jordan Anthony, Barry and Brown, and Dekel Crowdis. Yeah, like like you said, it's unproven, but I heard. Um, one of the KSR people said that Jordan Anthony like set another state record in track. Yeah, yeah. So you got Anthony Brown, and then we know Crowdis is fast. He was just injured last year. Mm-hmm. They just got to prove themselves. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm kind of scared of. Is just none of these guys have really seen the field, and the SEC is the toughest league to play in. So it's like you got to be ready, you know. So I think guys like Jordan Anthony, like yeah, their speed is really you know attractive to look at, and it's like hey, look, they are they're literally one of the fastest people in the entire country, not just in football. Like this dude, like Jordan Anthony was one of the best track runners in the entire country. Like he will be running track at UK as far as I know as well. So, um, but I think he's just one of those more raw, you know, he, it'll take him a year or two to, to see the field in my opinion. But yeah, Barry, like if I had to predict, I think obviously Tavion Robinson is the number one receiver. I think he's going to take over that Wandale Robinson role. I don't think he's as good as Wandale, but I think the production will be similar. And then at the two, the, the wide receiver two right now, in my opinion, is Dane Key. From the way the coaches are talking, from all the reports we've heard, from what we've seen in the spring game, it looks like Dane Key is wide receiver two. Um, but they're probably going to play Tavion at the slot because what I've heard is they don't see him as an outside receiver. So, you know, you got Key on the far left side, you got, you know, Tavion in the slot, and then on the other side, I think either Barryon Brown, Dekel Crowdis, or one of those guys is going to have to emerge. Maybe Demarcus Harris is going to start the season since he's the experienced one, but – like, how do you feel like that receiver lineup is going to look at the at least at the start? I personally would love that receiver lineup. Key, proven. I mean, not proven, but he in the spring he proved himself. Right. And then Robinson in the slot could be like a Wandell type shifty, and I mean, just we need our receivers to get north and south. And who was the third one you mentioned? Uh, Dekel Crowdis. Dekel Crowdis. I mean, Crowdis' speed is up there too. I just feel like, which none of them are really like over six foot exactly, right? I like, think he's 6'3". He's listed at 6'3". Okay. I thought he was six foot. So, I mean, he would have to be like the one throw it up and he'll have to go get it. And in a young wide receiver's first year, I don't know how that would fare in the SEC. Mm-hmm. But personally, 
speed wise and getting north and south, I love that lineup. Well, you've got the rotation of like if those young guys are struggling, Rashawn Lewis is a senior. Like, yeah, he was a walk on, but he's a senior who has proven that he can at least, you know, step in and do something. Demarcus Harris, uh, you know, we didn't even we haven't really mentioned Chauncey Magwood at all, but he played sparingly last year. He'll be a sophomore. Like he's gonna be a solid target. So it's like it's very boomer bust, I think, with these young guys like Key and Crowdis. But if those guys can't do what they got to do, I, we do have the backup plans. You know, even Michael Drennan, I feel like, who is currently listed as a running back, I think he could slide into the receiver position if we needed him to. He's looked like he's just improved in every facet. And then, of course, you know, you've got the 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 tight ends with Keaton Upshaw and Brendan Bates and Jordan Dingle. Like the the, the options are there for Will Levis, even if those young guys don't step up. And what we failed to mention, we moved Isaiah Cummings from wide receiver to tight end. Right. Yeah. I didn't even mention him, but yeah. Isaiah. We, have, we have a bunch of targets at tight end and receiver. And I think one of the most underrated people not getting talked about this offseason is Jordan Dingle. Mm-hmm. I mean, once again, my high school, we played against him. He's Jordan Dingle is a legit threat. Right. And being a year in the pro- – is it a year in the program? Already? Yeah, he'll be a sophomore next year. Yeah. Being a year in the program, you know, muscle and – just learning. I mean, he's going to be – it wouldn't surprise me if he was one of Will Levis's favorite targets this year. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, he'll have to he'll have to kind of break the rotation where, you know, you've got Keaton Upshaw, who's easily tight end one. Like, he's going to be the number one guy. And then Brendan Bates is a senior, and he's a former four-star tight end, and they like him a lot. He, I think he's going to play a very Justin Rigg-type role this year. And then, uh, of course, Isaiah Cummings is the X factor at tight end. He's the – you know, they hope that he is half the player that Kyle Pitts was for Florida as like a super athletic, fast mismatch problem at tight end. Um, so I think it'll be hard for Dingle to really see the field unless there's a couple injuries. But yeah, I do think that, that just shows how deep we are. Like that's just, especially at tight end, you know, Vince Marrow does a great job with that group. Yeah. What I wanted to bring up though about Cummings, if we did need like a throw it up and go get it type of guy in the red zone, we could put Cummings over that wide receiver. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, if we're really struggling with the receiver stuff, I think, uh, you know, like you said, we don't really have a red zone threat right now. I mean, Key is tall, but I don't know if he's physical enough to be that type of red zone threat just yet, and I think Isaiah Cummings is. So, yeah, Cummings is very versatile. He can play, you know, the H-back, he can play the tight end, and he can play you know, move out to wide receiver because that's what he was recruited as. But, um, you know, that's our wide receiver situation. And, you know, I like I like the wide receiver room. I just think we, you know, the Javon Baker situation was weird. But now moving on to another very unfortunate and weird situation. Of course, we covered it last week when it happened. But Chris Rodriguez got in trouble for a DUI. And we were kind of worried that, you know, maybe he might get suspended a game or two. But a report came out the other day he might miss the whole season and that there's more to it than the DUI stuff. So what do you know about what's going on with our, our number one running back? So obviously he has a DUI situation and he missed the court date, but that was on the lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, What I've heard or what I've read is that it's, it goes past the DUI. Like there's other off the field concerns. I don't know the specifics, but apparently Rodriguez has off the field concerns outside of the DUI. And I, I, there was like a UK fan page posted about it. And his take was like, if there's other situations outside of the DUI that the staff is worried about, then maybe he should sit out the year and not play. 
But then again, if it's just like a DUI or like other small things, maybe a two, three game suspension. And it's just behind that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see that, but I, I'm not, again, there's no real like legitimate source to the information about like he's going to be out for the season. Like, I'm not really sure where exactly that's coming from, but um, it, it would just be unfortunate because if he ends up having to sit out the whole season, you know, what does he do at that point? He could have gone pro two years ago. He could have gone pro after his, you know, what second or his redshirt sophomore season. After the 2019 season, Georgia apparently wanted him. That's what I heard. Yeah, that was a he could have been he could have transferred to a higher school, but he stayed. And then he, you know, had a great season last year and could have gone pro again, but he stayed. And then now he might have to wait a whole nother year to play again. So it's like at that point, is he just going to be like, you know what? Forget this. I'm just going to go try my chances in the NFL, like go try out for a team or something? Um, or, you know, do you think he just waits – he sits out the whole – if he gets suspended for the whole year, it's like does he come back for another year? Like this, that would be like his sixth year in college. Like for a guy who could have gone pro two seasons ago, it's like that's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, I don't think he would – I mean, if he doesn't play, he would obviously want to go pro. I don't think he'd come back. Realistically, not with the guys we have in that running back room, too. Like, Jaton McLean's ready to be the starter. So, oh, I mean, McLean, as a true freshman, came in there against Tennessee in 2020, and we beat them at Knoxville. And he had, I think, a touchdown run, and then another like 34 yard run. And then you look behind him, you got Drennan, which McLean and Drennan or Donut, what are you going to call him? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a good one, two punch. Not to mention, I think the most slept on running back is Lavelle Wright. Yeah, about right. Catch out of the backfield. He can run it. So, I mean, I don't see Chris coming back if he has to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks for, I mean, all of us. Because if we had running back one as Chris, I mean, there's no telling what we could do. Yeah, man. And, I mean, he's he's just been so consistently solid for us. You know, outside of some fumbling issues over his career, he's been he's been everything Benny Snell was. I mean, and that's – he hasn't really had the the – vocal presence and the you know all eyes on me you know bright lights entertainment factor that benny had but he's like in terms statistically he was he's very close to what benny was for us and they play so similar and i think we love having guys like that and it's just we haven't i haven't heard anything about him having issues until this and then just now it just seems like there's so many things coming out that could potentially keep him back and i just like he's just so talented he's been so good to us and i think you know he he was on track to break their all-time rushing record at UK this season. So it's just like, man, you know, like I just – I hope it's a two- or three-game suspension and he gets to play out the rest of the year. Um, that would be the ideal situation. But even if it is a two-game suspension, he's missing the Florida game. Yeah. Either way, it hurts us a lot, that's for sure. Um, but I do think that's probably our deepest position on the entire team is running back. Like I don't think – I don't think we're four or five deep at any other position in terms of like elite – talent like Lavelle Wright will be the fourth string running back and he's could probably be the starter like it's it's so in, interchangeable with Rodriguez, Drennan, uh, McLean and Lavelle Wright all four of those guys could be the starter and you'd be like okay I see why they're the starter because they're that good so I'm not concerned about oh if Chris is out we're gonna be not good on at, in, at running the ball because we still have weapons there but it it's definitely a big blow. I mean, the fumbling issues with Chris, I mean, I'm pretty sure he focused on that and got taken care of. 
So, I mean, if Chris could get rid of the fumbling issues, I think he'd be a very solid running back. I'm pretty sure he could – he he would break Benny Snell's record this year if he plays. But like you said, I'm not worried if he isn't playing. I mean, obviously it sucks for both parties. But, I mean, we got McLean, Drennan, Wright, and there's probably another running back or two we're missing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is deep there. And plus, McLean and Drennan are proven. Oh, bro, we didn't even mention Kavassier Smoke, who's literally a senior. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's literally, like, been the backup running back for the last three years, and we didn't even mention him. But, yeah, Kavassier Smoke, Smoke. Would Smoke be the starter at that point, or would it be McLean? I think I think McLean's taking Smoke over in terms of, especially, like, in the eyes of the – because, like, even last year, Smoke was kind of, like, the third guy, it seemed, especially towards the end of the year. It seemed like Jaton kind of took over a little bit towards the end of the season. So, like – He's also very injury prone, so I think they want to keep his reps down a little bit. Talking about Cavassier, I think they want to keep his reps down and kind of make him into like a maybe like a just an explosive play guy instead of somebody who's going to carry a heavy workload. So, but yeah, look, like looking at the roster right now, you got Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier, Smoke, Jaton McLean, Michael Jernan, and Lavelle Wright. That's five running backs who all could be good enough to be the starter. So, losing out on Chris sucks if that's what happens. It sucks. I'm more concerned for him because I think he is an NFL caliber running back. And I think that he is. I want to see him break the records and stuff like it's just been so fun to watch him. But, man, it would just I, I really hope that he doesn't have to miss the whole season. I just yeah, I, I think we need him to play. I mean, to go as far as what people say this team can go, I think our best shot is having Chris at running back. But we could make it work without him. And as someone that has seen Lavelle play in person, I would not be upset if Lavelle was, like, one of the main contributors this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we saw him break out multiple times towards the end of last season. Whenever he got to play, he did really great things. But it's weird. It's like it seems like with Kentucky football, you know, we are on the up and up, and we are rising up very quickly. But at the same time, it seems like before every season, there's always a series of events that makes us a little bit worse. You know, like Vito Tisdale tearing his ACL hurts us on the defensive end really bad. But also now we've lost – Running potentially lost running back one for the whole season and wide receiver two decommits and ends up. And I think they're saying that Maryland looks like that might be hit the landing spot for him. So it's like within a week or within two days, we lost, you know, potentially lost running back one and wide receiver two. It just seems like there's always like last season, it was Dekel Crowdis getting hurt in the preseason and Keaton Upshaw tearing his ACL. Like it seems like there's always major con- contributors going down or decommitting or going somewhere else. Like we had the Syracuse wide receiver transfer coming in. Um, Taj Harris, I think his name was the Syracuse yeah, receiver yeah. and he couldn't come because of grades. So it's like, it sucks to just think about the fact that our receiver core could have been Tavion Robinson, Taj Harris and Javon Baker. Those three guys right there would have been a, an exceptional receiving core. And now we kind of have to rely more on the younger guys. Um, and then now of course the Chris Rodriguez stuff. I mean, with a potential first-round quarterback, which potential, but I'm I think a person be one of the best ones in the draft. You got Will Levis, and then you would have Harris, Robinson, and Baker. I mean, that is like what we need to push us forward to potentially beat Georgia and make a run for the SEC title. Right. So. 
Right, and I, I saw some people kind of speculating, like, hey, since we lost Baker, do you think we'll go after another receiver transfer maybe? And I don't think so. I think that that room is set. I think they're confident in who they have. I think they're confident that one of the young guys, one or two of the young guys is going to step up. If they don't, they know that we have Tavion Robinson and Demarcus Harris and Chauncey Magwood, some guys who are a little bit more proven. Um, so I think that wide receiver room is set. And I kind of wish, because this is most likely Will Levis's last year in a Kentucky uniform, kind of wish we had some more surefire star power. Um, but hopefully these guys can really step up and, and kind of be the weapons that we need him to be because he'll have he'll have the tight ends. That's not a question, but and he'll have the running backs to take the pressure off of him a little bit. But I just I hope those guys can show up. Yeah. Um, the one last thing I want to say, I think this is our one of our best years in recent years, like most. Like most opportunity to beat Georgia and make the SEC title game because Florida having has a new coach. I mean, I don't. We don't play LSU, do we? No, no. Florida has a new coach. Georgia, um, obviously, they lost like seventeen players, seventeen starters. Mm-hmm. Only returned five out of twenty-two starters. Yep. And then uh, the other team, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, Tennessee kind of equal on talent. I'd say that's going to be a tough one, but I still think. Yeah, that's a that's a winnable game, and then Ole Miss is going to be the other tough one. I think Ole Miss is doable. Yeah, but I I just know some of the talent they've got in the transfer portal. That's going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know, like you said, this is the best opportunity for this program to to make the run for the East. I think you know Georgia. Georgia won't be bad, but they won't be as good as they were last year. That's for sure. So I mean, they lost you know, some of their running backs too, you know, some of those great running backs they had and they lost George Pickens and a receiver. So they, like, they don't really have the same weapons, at least not proven weapons that they did on last year's team. So I think, I I mean, I still am not confident that we beat Georgia, but I think this is the best opportunity in recent memory uh, to beat that powerhouse of the school. But I'm even more confident if they're going into that game with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Hey, Stetson Bennett won a championship though. So, you know. Did you I know see, uh, the interview I think Good Morning America did with him after they won the title game the next uh, morning? Uh-uh. Dude, Stetson, he was so hungover and trash. You could just oh kind of- yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- I don't know. I I mean, he's not he's he does what they need him to do, and I do think that that team was mostly carried by the defense and the running game and stuff like that. But you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but. That's pretty much what we've got for the football topics. You know, some pretty unfortunate news as of late, but you know, there's still there's still hope on the horizon. I'm still very like optimistic about the future of this team. But now, kind of moving into our basketball talk, you know, quickly going to touch on the fact that Lance Ware officially announced today that he will be back at UK next year. I think we all knew that was going to happen, but uh, it was a, it was made official today. You know, no transfer for Lance Ware. No, no, none of that. He will be back next year. Um, and looking at Lance as, you know, he's probably not going to play much once again because of Oscar. Uh, but I think, you know, if he can keep being that hustle guy, we need him to be come in, grab some rebounds, play some good post defense, maybe catch a couple lobs, um, you know, talk crap to the opponents. You know, that's, that's what he's in there for. I love Lance. I think that he's a great teammate. You know, he's always getting hype on the bench for his teammates. So good news that Lance wears back. Yeah, when you go into next season with the returning National Player of the Year in Shibway, who averaged like 18 and 15, and then you have Lance Ware, a third-year veteran, as a backup, I personally love the five spot. Not to mention you could slide Damien in there if you need to, like mm-hmm. in 
like pinch moments. So having Lance Ware with the experience he's gained this summer, have you seen what he's doing in, I think it's Brazil? Yeah, I, I don't know what the competition looks like over there, but he's putting up some crazy numbers. Like 39. 18 and like five blocks. Yeah. <laughs> he's solid over there. And if he can bring that to Kentucky this year, I'm not saying it's going to be the best, but it's going to be a pretty good one-two punch at the five spot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, having Oscar there anyway automatically makes it, I think, the best center position in, in the country. But um, so, yeah, great news that Lance Warrior is back. But now getting into the meat and potatoes of the basketball conversation, number one overall recruit, DJ Wagner. The discourse continues on whether or not he is going to be a Kentucky player. We touched on it last week, but uh, he's been a Kentucky lean for most of his high school career due to his father's connection with John Calipari. It's kind of always been a foregone conclusion. But now with Kenny Payne taking over at Louisville, the news came out that Louisville officially hired Milt Wagner, which is DJ Wagner's grandfather. They have, they have him in an official role at the school, which now has a lot of people kind of convinced that DJ is going to Louisville. So what do you think about the whole situation? I know Travis Brandom came out with that report that – you know, it Kentucky's still firmly in the mix, and Kentucky is still potentially the front runner in his recruitment. I want DJ. Um, I'm just watching his highlights and just everything about him. I mean, the video of him, which punching the dude like at a event. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know he's going to bring to the table. He's a bucket getter, all three levels. Um, it just, I don't fault Louisville. I mean. I hate Louisville, obviously. Right. I, I don't fault Louisville for trying everything they can to get them and potentially do like they might. In my opinion, they are going to land them. I mean, Cal did the same thing to get his father um, at Memphis. So, I mean, that's why the role was set, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure Cal hired uh, Milt. I, I don't – I actually don't know about all that. I just – think Cal hired Milt at Memphis and that got um, – is it Dewan, his dad? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got that. That's what got Dewan to come to Memphis because there was some buzz around another school. And then once we hired Milt on the, or once Memphis hired Milt on the actual basketball staff at the time because that was legal, it was known that Dewan was going to Memphis. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I, like, I get why people are upset about it because it does seem like, hey, that should not be allowed. You shouldn't be able to hire an elite recruit's close family to kind of entice them to come to your school, but it's not illegal. So I, I get being mad at Kenny and game, being mad at Louisville, but, you know, they're trying to build rebuild that program over there, and to do that, they have to land guys like DJ Wagner. Um, so you got to do what you got to do. Um, but, you know, Travis Branham, who is a very well-respected college basketball analyst, he came out and said that Kentucky is still firmly in the mix, and they still think that Kentucky might – be like it's basically 50 50 still right now on uk and louisville um i know rob dillingham is a top 10 recruit he's a five-star point guard who is making his decision on june 24th and i think you know we talked about this a little bit before but i think him if we land rob dillingham which is looking like we will I think dj wagner will not be at kentucky yeah um there's some reports like a few months ago that DJ and Rob, when it was like the beginning of their recruitment, when coaches could contact them for their class, that they were both being recruited by Kentucky. But between themselves, there was a little chatter that like, hey, maybe we can't play together 
on the court. They respect each other off the court, but maybe on the court they can't work. So Rob getting all this buzz to Kentucky, that NUL or Louisville hiring Milt, that's why I don't think we land DJ and we'll probably end up getting Rob as our one in that class. Right. That's how it's looking. Um, and, you know, like you said, they, they've basically said that they don't think they can play together. Um, and I wonder, you know, because Rob was committed to NC State uh, at one point, Rob Dillingham was. And I wonder, because there was a lot of drama, basically the, the, the rumor was that Rob was committed to Kentucky silently and then he committed to NC State. So I wonder if at the time we were prioritizing DJ and that's why he didn't come to us. He went to NC State instead. But then all this Louisville buzz starts building for DJ Wagner and maybe we start to realize, hey, I don't think we're going to get him or we might not get him. So maybe we start contacting Rob again. Then that's why he decommits de from NC State because he wants to be at Kentucky. But we weren't prioritizing him over DJ. But now it's like, OK, DJ might go to Louisville. So we're going to start talking to Rob again. And now Rob is buzzing, trending towards Kentucky. So. I think that the writing's on the wall, in my opinion, for DJ to go to Louisville and for us to land Rob Dillingham. I And I know I messaged you this. I personally, and I think we have different opinions on this, I wouldn't be upset with Dillingham. I mean, Wagner, he went there for a spell where he was still the number one recruit, but a bunch of services were about to side him down because he got complacent and got used to being number one. And I think it was after one of the most recent grassroots events, he started like, bringing it back on the court and so like he was solidified as like a top i don't think he's the top player in his class right now i know 24 7 moved gg jackson up to number yeah. one but overall like composite wise he's still number one on the other so, side i mean wagner i lost my train of thought no you're good i i think that dylan I, like i've kind of been i don't want to say a rob dillingham hater but i've not I personally am not seeing the vision with him. I think he's one of those guys who likes the spotlight and he doesn't seem like a team player to me. He seems like maybe a little bit of a head case at times, you know, with all the drama that was going on. He played for Donda Academy, which is Kanye West's basketball team, and they don't run anything over there. They just let those guys go out and just do whatever and mess around and stuff. So I just feel like you got a guy like DJ who is clearly one of, if not the best player in the class. That's who I want, obviously. But Rob, like, I wouldn't be mad about getting Rob, but it's like if we got Rob only because we couldn't get DJ, that's where I'd be a little frustrated. It's like, dang, like we were this close to having DJ. And that kind of moves into this next topic about he's <laughs> like we're cursed with these number one recruits. We used to not have a problem with it. You know, Coach Cal was landing John Wall and Anthony Davis, you know, Scalabus year was a number one recruit in some services. So we didn't have any issues landing these elite talents, but over the last, what is it? The last four number one recruits yep. could have been at Kentucky and probably would have been at Kentucky, but you know, there were circumstances that caused them to go elsewhere. You know, you've got James Wiseman. Um, they say he was committed to Kentucky before, you know, the Penny Hardaway stuff happened at Memphis where he ended up going to play for Penny. We Wiseman would have been at UK. And then Cade Cunningham the next year at Oklahoma State. They were saying he committed on his visit to Kentucky. He committed. And then Oklahoma State hired his brother onto their staff, and he went and played for Oklahoma State. So that's Wiseman and Cunningham. Then Shaden Sharp this past year, where, of course, we know how weird of a situation that is. And then now next year, we might lose the number one recruit, DJ Wagner, to Louisville. So we're cursed, man. I mean, the last four number one recruits could have been at UK and ended up elsewhere. Would Wiseman have been on that 2018-19 team? 
He would have been that would have been the Maxi Hagen's team, I believe. I mean, if we had a Wiseman on that team, it's unthinkable. Like Nick Richards could have developed even more, like focus on it off the court. Mm-hmm. And we could have had Wiseman at the five. Like that right there, even though the season got canceled, that right there I think would have shown what we we're doing, especially what we we're doing at the end of the year. I think we would have made a run in the postseason. Right. And then you mentioned Cade Cunningham, his brother being on staff. Cade did commit on his official visit or his visit to Kentucky. And then, oddly enough, I don't know if it was at Big Blue Madness, but Paulo Bancaro in the same class committed on his trip. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it just goes to show you, like, there's so many circumstances, and it's mainly family outside of Paulo, but, like, Shaden and his handler, which I don't know if it's family, but his handler, and then Wagner, it's family there. Right? And then Cade with his brother, yeah. it's yeah. And it's just frustrating that, you know – it's like sometimes I'm just like, you know what, Cal, just hire these people's family members, bro. Like I get I get it that it's not the it's not the sexy thing to do, but just do it. Like if we're missing out on these guys, imagine Cade if we bro, if Cade was on last year's team, we wouldn't have gone nine and sixteen. Like we part of the reason we were so bad last year is because we didn't have a point guard. Like take yeah, Devin Askew's the worst player I've ever seen, so <laughs> that doesn't yeah. count. But, like, imagine Cade at the point, and then you've got Boston, and then, I mean, Clark obviously wasn't healthy, but, you know, Davion Mintz, and then Boston, and then Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar with Cade running the point. Like, that changes things. So, yeah. and then Shaden on this year's team, uh, that would have changed things. Um, and then, of course, DJ. So it's just like, man, like, what are we doing wrong? Or like, we're just not stooping to the level of these other programs, but like, it's hurting us. If they're going to cheat, then why don't we cheat? I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about not cheating. Do you know what role um, Cade's brother got hired to at Oklahoma State? It was like nothing. Like, it was like a, I, I don't know what it was. Do you know what it was? No, I'm just saying, like, it's just odd to me because, like, Milt at Louisville is not on their basketball staff. Yeah, he he's just got like, hired at the school. Yeah, he's like a alumni relations director or something like that. Yeah. And then I think Cannon was his name. I mean, he was like on the actual basketball staff in some role. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think he was just like a, a low ranking assistant. And it, it's funny because I'm pretty sure they fired him after Cade they left. Did. They did. The dude was there for one season. It's like so blatantly obvious what they did. It's like, so obvious that his brother was funneling money to Cade while Cade was there. Like, yeah. oh so, they so they can't track anything. They're going to send it to his brother's account, and then his brother's going to send it to Cade. Right. There's just no – yeah. Oh, man. That's so frustrating to think about, dude. No, what's even more frustrating, we could have had Cade and Paulo on the floor in the same year. Well, Paulo was part of last year's class, the – Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He, But either way, like, because pa- it's funny. We talked about this a little bit. I put out a report because I had a, I used to have a source who used to, like, give me information on, on Kentucky-related stuff, and he had never been wrong before. And he sent me a message saying, hey, I'm just letting you know. You can choose to announce this if you want to, but Paolo Bancaro is coming to Kentucky. He's committed. He's coming to Kentucky. So I put out the tweet. Breaking news. My sources tell me Paolo Bancaro is coming to Kentucky. And then Bancaro actually quote tweeted it. And he was like, y'all are crazy. Like, y'all just don't give up, do you? And I was like, ah, whatever. My, you know, my source is solid. And then, of course, he ended up going somewhere else. But now you're saying, you know, that you've heard that he was actually committed at one point. So I don't even think I was wrong at the time. I think things just changed. Cade Cade told the staff himself he was coming. 
And then what I heard is that Paulo told students around campus was like, hey, I'll be here next year. Mm. That's and, what I that's what I heard. Yeah, because I think I, I I asked my source, you know, what how he knew. And he said that, uh, you know, he had somebody in the I don't know if it's the compliance office or the what's the office that gets like new like that you go through to, to sign up like a, a freshman signing up for classes. Uh, I just know at Western, I have an academic advisor. It was something like that. It was just, it was like the, whatever you go through to sign up for classes, apparently the, there was someone in there who knows my source or my former source. Uh, I haven't got anything from him in a while, but, uh, I don't know. That whole situation was crazy. Cause it was just like, I don't know. There's just been so many close calls with these elite recruits who have decided to go elsewhere. It's just frustrating. I'm pretty sure um, they men- they didn't mention your account, but I, I listen to Kentucky Daily sources say and KSR all the time, and they brung up the fact that this um, fan page on Twitter said Paula <laughs> was committed. Yep. And they said, I don't know if it's true or not, but like they kind of like bashed you for it. Yeah, they basically said, don't trust like these random fan pages who yeah. are just trying to get clicks. But that's like not what I was doing. Like I had a source who had been correct before about like multiple things that I had broken. Like I had, I had, it was like three or four stories in a row that I had broken before anyone else. And I feel like that pisses off people like KSR and stuff like that, you know, when they're not getting the info, but some random fan page with under a thousand followers at the time on Twitter is breaking the news that they're not breaking or that they're not allowed to break. So I think they're, they got a little frustrated about that. Maybe, you know, no hard feelings, but I ended up, of course, you know, not being correct, but. I just thought that was just a, a crazy situation. And now finding out that he actually was committed at one point, or at least was telling people that he was coming to UK and it's the admissions office. That's what I was thinking. The admissions office is where, you know, my source had some people, but anyway, uh, yeah, just the number one recruit cur- recruit curse looks like it's going to continue with DJ Wagner and it's unfortunate, but kind of moving into our final topic of the day, Rob Dillingham, which we kind of touched on him a little bit already. And the rest of that 2023 class, I think, we all really know at this point it's a foregone conclusion that on June 24th, Rob Dillingham is going to commit to Kentucky. That will be our point guard in the class. We've already got Reed Shepard committed. So that backcourt's already set with uh, Dillingham and Reed, and I'm not mad at that at all. I think that's a great backcourt. Uh, but, you know, how do you feel about the rest of this class? How do you feel about that backcourt in particular? And then, like, who who all do you want to add to this, this roster? Okay, so I have it written down here. Obviously, it's Dillingham or Wagner. We've already discussed, like, they don't think they can play together on the court. Personally, Wagner is who you want. I'm not upset with Dillingham, and, like, we differ there. So, I mean, either one of those running point. I mean, Dillingham can score on all three levels. He had an AAU game recently where he went, like, 7 of 9 from 3. So, like, he can do it all. And I watched one of his YouTube videos, um, that dude Nick in the Cut. Mm-hmm. I made a YouTube video for Dillingham, episode one, and just like Dillingham puts in the work. So, I mean, I don't feel like we're at a disadvantage if we do get Dill- – I don't want to say settle because we've been recruiting them both. Right. But right. I feel like Dillingham is still going to be solid. As far as like the rest of the class, um, Justin Edwards, it's obviously Kentucky or Tennessee – Right, and right. I'm pretty sure he's leaning towards Tennessee, but I want Justin Edwards on the wing. And then they play together. Like, they don't play together. They play similar. Stoyakovich and Buzelis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buzelis is leaning to Florida State, I think. But Stoyakovich, like, praised the Kentucky offer when he got it. 
So right now I'm at Dillingham, Edwards, Stoyakovic, and Holland. That that's who I want is Holland. Holland's like the one guy in the class I want. Like he can do it all. And right. then um, is it yeah Ian Jackson? There's talk of him being a reclass from 24 to 23. Mm-hmm. And if I could have my five, it would be Dillingham. I want Soyakovich just because he's a shooter. So Dillingham, Soyakovich, Holland, Edwards, and Jackson. That's my five for the class of 23 that I want. And, and we've already and have have in, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, there was an article that came out, uh, I think it was, you know, earlier today about how Matas Buzelis continues to hear from UK and that apparently Reed Shepard is also committing him pretty hard or uh, recruiting him pretty hard. And but Buzelis, in my opinion, is probably like my favorite in the class other than uh, Shepard and Wagner. I just love his game. He's a 6'10 small forward with point guard skills. You know, he can handle the ball at a high level. He can score from all three levels. Solid defender. Like Buzelis is definitely one of my favorite players in the class. So I want him really bad. I think, you know, if you have a, like I would probably take Buzelis over Justin Edwards. And I know Edwards is leaning Tennessee right now anyway. So like if we were to land Buzelis over Edwards, I would, take Buzelis on that wing over Edwards. You mentioned Andrei Stojakovic, which is the son of Peja Stojakovic. I like him a lot, but I feel like if we have Buzelis and Shepard committed, uh, it's going to be hard to get him to to join the class just because that's kind of all the three guard spots and they're all taken. And then we don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Adu Thiero's development and, you know, some of these other guards that we have coming in. Um uh, you know, we don't know if Antonio Reeves is going to be a one and done that type of thing. So I don't know if the, there's any room for Stojakovic if we land some of these other guys, but I I definitely want him just because he is probably the best pure shooter in the class. You mentioned Ron Holland. I was worried for a little bit that Ron Holland wouldn't be prioritized by the staff, but I think what did he? What was a couple days ago? He said he was he was coming for a visit to UK. So it was the day before he announced that, that Arkansas was like – or he said that he was on an official visit to Arkansas. It was going to take one. And then the day after, I got a um, thing from Tipton Edits. Like a, I have his notifications on, on Twitter. And uh, Tipton said that uh, Holland is taking an official visit to Kentucky like June 17th through the 19th or something like that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, that, that shows right there that we're at least – giving him the attention that we need to be giving him. Um, he's a top 10 player in the class. I really want Ron Holland, um, you know, to, to fill in that four spot for us. Because uh, I know we talked about Kwame Evans, who's a top five player in the class. But I think – I honestly think Coach Cal likes Ron Holland better than Kwame. Um, and I think he would probably, like, prioritize him at this point um, just based off kind of how I feel about it. But Dillingham's top 10 recruit. He's the number two point guard in the class. He's technically the number one point guard in the class because DJ Wagner's listed as a combo guard. So if we land Dillingham, that's the number one point guard in the class. He gives me Darius Garland vibes a little bit. I could see that being the type of player that Dillingham is Um, just like a, a slightly undersized point guard with good, good vision can score all three levels, great ball handle, that type of stuff. So again, I, like I'm not mad if we get Dillingham. I just I don't like him as much as Wagner. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so Dillingham, Shepard, Buzelis, Ron Holland, and then kind of just looking at the center position is tough uh, because if if we don't get Wagner, we're not getting Aaron Bradshaw, who's one of the best centers in the class. I don't know if we're even talking to Bay Fall, who's the number one center in. He says right here he's the number one center in the class. Bay Fall. I haven't really heard I don't about. Think you've offered him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we've even talked to him. Um, then you got here Aaron Bradshaw's number two center. But like I said, if we don't get Wagner, we're not getting him. And I then, think um, Wagner and Bradshaw are 
like a duo package because Bradshaw has Louisville in his final. Yeah, no, they're going to the same place. I mean, they they play for the same high school. They're going to the same place. Like that's kind. Of, everyone's already kind of confirmed that. And then the number three center in the class is Isaiah Miranda, and we he's a four star, and we've had him on a visit. He actually visited with Matas Buzelis uh, earlier in the season. Um, so I don't know if we're still looking at him like that, but he's seven feet tall. He's a seven footer. Um, he gives me like slight Willie Colley Stein vibes. So. Like, I feel like if we miss out on our other targets, he's probably the guy. But, yeah, I think the 2023 class has the opportunity to be one of those classic Coach Cal elite recruiting classes that we've kind of been missing out on for a while. You know, I think the last elite recruiting class we had, in my opinion, was like Darren Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo, Winyan Gabriel, Sasha Clea Jones. Like, that recruiting class was just crazy at the time. I think it's the last one we've had where I'm like, okay, we are the best – like, we are the number one destination for these recruits. But I think 2023 has the chance to be that. I think we can get a class of, like, four, five, six top 30 recruits, which would be very ideal to get back on track. From what I saw recently, and granted, this is a year down the line, if I had to pick, like, a most, like, realistic lineup, I saw that Ian Jackson is, like, it's like UNC or Kentucky is what I've heard, and I've heard he's like leaning towards a reclass. And if he does that, I've heard Kentucky might be there. Mm-hmm. So Dillingham, Jackson, Holland, and then like I mean, if we do pick up a fourth, I think it'd be Edwards or Stoyakovich or Buzelis. That's yeah, I, what I think's the realistic. Right. In terms of the wing, I just think, you know, I, I've heard the Ian Jackson stuff too. I don't like reclasses. In fact, I don't think a single reclass has worked out for us. Pretty sure every player that's reclassed has just not been very good. So I just, I like guys to stay in their recruiting class and like just, just stay in your class, develop the way you're supposed to develop, and then, you know, you're good to go. So I don't know how I feel about Ian Jackson reclassing, but. The rest of this class looks pretty crazy. Potential would be pretty crazy. Yeah, personally, my favorite would be Shepard. Um, he's been committed since August, I think. I mean, we know Shepard can do it all. So I'm just looking forward to seeing Shepard and potentially a Dillingham backcourt. I feel like that would be something to watch. It would be exciting for sure. I, I think that's – I think that would be fun to watch. Um, you know, Similar in play style, maybe to like a De'Aaron Fox Malik Monk backcourt with, you know, you got the fast point guard in Dillingham who can do everything on the court for you. And then you've got the pure scorer and Reed Shepard is like really athletic too. Like people don't talk about that, but he's a, he's a great athlete. So very similar to like Malik Monk in that regard is like a six, three shooting guard who can do everything and who's very athletic. So I think that'd be a fun backcourt for sure. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to mention here? No, I think no, I think that's it for the day. I mean, kind of just closing out on that 2023 class and, um, you know. We didn't mention J.J. Taylor, but I, I don't – I mean, he might may have gotten a crystal ball to Kentucky, but I don't think he's coming to Kentucky. He's – as far as I know, doesn't he play for Donda with uh, – Yeah, Donda. Oh, wow. He Dillingham, yeah. Yeah, he's – okay, so that actually might make it – that might be an interesting – thing to look at because he is high school teammates with Rob Dillingham. So I don't think a visit here. I don't know if it was official or not, but he took a visit to Kentucky. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't 
I completely forgot about that. So that'll be interesting. I know we were interested in in, in him in some capacity in the past, but um, you know, again, I I just hope Buzelis is the guy at that small forward spot. I just I really like his game and I really like his versatility. But there's options there. You know, I feel like this is one of the few classes in recent memory where there's backup plans for us everywhere. You know, our backup plan for losing Wagner is Dillingham. Our backup plan for losing a guy like Buzelis would be one of these other wings that's these elite wings. Like, we have the options. So that's pretty much it for the Kentucky Connection podcast today. It's been about a week since our last one. But, uh, you know, this one, you know, we had a lot of good topics. Like I said, you know, it's just been slow news, man. I just wish – I hate the off season because it's just like, ugh, it's just – there's days, there's weeks where there's nothing. It's been slow, and the news that has come out is not necessarily good. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Like literally half of the topics today: Javon Baker, Chris Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez losing out on DJ Wagner, and then are talking about the recruiting curse for the number one. Like this just wasn't a very positive episode overall. But like, it's like even though there's this kind of bad stuff going on and like these things happening that we don't want to happen, it's like we're still fine. You know, it's not breaking our program. If you were if you were like Vanderbilt, right, and you had a high a bunch of high quality transfers coming in, and then they all go somewhere else, that's a different story. But we're we've built our program, our football program, up to the point where it's like even losing these guys doesn't really hurt us as much as it used to. So, hey, in basketball though, Vanderbilt got a five star and a four star. So recently, uh, they had a center commit. I'm pretty sure they had someone commit that was a five star. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean. They haven't done anything <laughs> over uh, over what how long Stackhouse been here? He's been there for a while. He hasn't done anything. Well, he may have been a four star. They had a high end like big though commit there. Hmm. Well, interesting. Maybe they can make the tournament. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, uh, that's it for today. You know, good good talk today. Um, you know, we'll just kind of monitor the news and see what happens. Um, see if we can't, you know, do another episode sometime. Maybe this weekend. Probably not this weekend, but at some point early next week if if some news comes out. But, uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining me, man. And uh, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Go Cats. Yep. Go Cats. <laughs>